0: spotlight with sarah hendy brought to you by the isle of man arts council faster my and welcome along to spotlight tonight we're going to find out more about a children's book raising money for charity and would you consider yourself capable of wrangling a new choir if so your fate may be tied to the jerby community center As ever, if you're a busy bee and you can't stay for the whole episode tonight, you can find tonight's show on demand through the Manx Radio app or as a podcast. It's all free. And with the podcast, you can actually subscribe so you don't miss a single programme. I know, right? Living the dream. Now, in the studio, we're joined by Robert Cowley, who has been dubbed the accidental author by our Christy DeHaven. He's already raised £1,000 for breast cancer now. So the first thing I want to say to you, Rob, is congratulations, it's an amazing amount. And I understand that there's actually a really nice event coming up this Saturday morning where you'll be presenting the charity with the cheque for the money that's been raised by your book.
1: Yes, Breast to are now having a coffee morning at the church on the prom, the Methodist Church on the prom from 10 till 12. So we'll be going along to present a cheque at 11 o'clock. And again, to meet all the ladies that I've been working with for the last couple of months.
0: So Pink, The Adventures of a Manx Fairy, it's part of a, a rainbow of bedtime stories in a way, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about the other colours so far in the series.
1: Well, it, it started by accident with my first book, No Entry, um, that was just a project with my grandson Ryan. And that evolved and became a, a, a book and raised £1,000 for autism in man. And I thought that was the end of my, my career as an author. Um, And then during lockdown, um, my wife, who's very, very close to a granddaughter in in the UK, um, they were missing each other so much. I wrote a story about uh, her taking a fairy over. So that was Pink, uh, Pink, the Adventures of a Manx Fairy. And that's raised a £1,000, I should say, for breast cancer now. And it just sort of um, triggered uh, a little thing inside me to start writing more and more. So I have uh, several books, Um, the next one will be read, uh, A Dragon Called Rufus, which is about all those people who perhaps don't quite fit in, but their voices need to be heard. Um, And it kind of has a, each one has a theme like that. Um, After that there's one called, uh, a fire engine called Walter, who's really about me really, it's about old age, and being respectful for age and wisdom is the theme behind that one. Um, and so each one has a, has a, a sort of a, a colour as the rainbow and uh, a theme. And hopefully each one will raise £1,000 for a local charity. And I will have a lovely bedtime story series um, for the Manx public and the Manx children.
0: It sounds like a very special project. And um, it makes me wonder, is like your connection with young people, your retired teacher, is that right?
1: I am a retired deputy head of St. Ninian's High School. Um, so that is my background, and I came across so many different young people in my career, and and parents, and and other staff, but I never expected to be an author. And uh, my mother, who was a, an excellent English uh, primary school teacher, would roll around laughing at one of her children becoming an author, and especially, especially me. Uh, as a dyslexic math teacher, it doesn't quite fit. But uh, my father always used to tell stories around the, the, the table at, on a Sunday lunch, and somewhere in the back of my brain I must have absorbed some of that storytelling. And uh, and so it's kind of emerged in my retirement. It's, it's a lovely thing to be doing.
0: Gosh, what a lovely memory, sharing stories around the Sunday dinner table. That's uh, That's really special. Do you think that's where where your interest must have come from. Like you say, you absorbed it and sort of come out in your retirement. I suppose stories are such a special way to connect with people. I think you've got a really unique perspective in that you've been connecting with young people, as you say, from all walks of life for such a long time. That must feed into to what you do.
1: Yes, I think so. And part of being a deputy head is... Uh, one of the frightening parts of being a deputy head is you have to do school assemblies on a very regular basis. So you have to learn this idea of presenting a story or, or putting in it in a way that children understand, and I think that's a big help uh, to the process. But, but it's, it's also something I think a lot of grandparents tell stories to their grandchildren, and I'd like to encourage more of them to write them down, because it is a beautiful relationship um, and I do also agree that, that uh, bedtime stories are a vital part of parenting and grandparenting. It's a lovely bond and a lovely thing that we all do um, as, the, as children grow up. And it has, it has impact. You remember things from, from your childhood and, and stories in particular can, can influence you as you grow up. So that's why each one has a, has a sort of message underneath it that, you know, voices need to be heard. There's one about a circus elephant called Gertrude, and that's all about friendship. So these are the sort of ideas I'm trying to come together with, if I can get the series off the ground, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the success of the first one, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I wish you all the best with it. I'm sure you won't need any luck from me. Um, something I, I really like about this is the, the illustrations. You've collaborated with um, a, a young lady who has got a real talent for drawing. Um, and she's when I say young lady, she really is. She's 14 she
1: it was her 15th birthday, I think, last week. Uh, Carmen St. John Kane. And again, I love quirks and uh, fate, because after I wrote the first story, no entry, it was, it was just there on the side. It was something I did to my grandson. It was lovely activity. But my wife passed it over to a friend of hers who has a daughter, Carmen, who is high-functioning autism. And for her... The autism isn't a disability, it's very much an ability. Her drawing is fantastic. And she loves to read and she loves to draw and she started to do pictures for no entry. Um, and as soon as I saw them, I knew it had to become something and that's how it evolved. Um, Chrissy Dehaven has nicknamed me, uh, nicknamed me the accidental author because it did happen by accident to start with. The second book I did deliberately... Um, and as soon as I had the story in my mind, I talked to Carmen and she just jumped on the idea of doing the illustrations. And you can really see her progress over 18 months in terms of being an artist. And she is very, very talented. And I'm hoping, as we do the series, that each one will be a stepping stone towards a future mm-hmm. and give her a real, you know, enjoyment of producing a almost a CV in her... 15, 16 year old uh, age to uh, to show to people and take forward hopefully to art college and she's a very good animator as well.
0: What a talent and what a lovely connection you have there. I'm curious about what books you remember from your own childhood because as you say it's a special connection but also these books the stories, the words, the illustrations um it's amazing how much of that you retain. I mean, we develop a really special relationship with these stories, don't we? And the pictures as well add life to that. I remember reading Brambley Hedge, The Tiger That Came to Tea, and those pictures are still so vivid and alive in my mind. Um, it's, a, it's a really precious thing, a storybook.
1: Yes, I, I had several influences, um, but being dyslexic, it was hard to read and I I hated the having to stand up in class, as I did in my youth, and having to read out loud, I found to be quite a trial. Um, but I did love books, and strangely things like Aesop's Fables, there's a wonderful book called Jonathan Livingston Siegel, all about ambition, Um and I was I was very much into Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and they're very much sort of the imaginary worlds that. Uh, so must, that must also influence what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. One of the nice things about the books, if they come to pass, is that the characters in each of the books appear in the other colours as well as mm-hmm. just themselves. So, for example, in pink they fly over a sleeping dragon and that's Rufus for book two and in Rufus... There's a whole set of people that come and listen and that's got other characters who become their own book later on in the series.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'm sure, like me, our listeners will be really looking forward to reading these stories to uh, the young people in their lives. How can we get hold of a copy? Where can we find one? Um, and when can we look forward to the, the next colours coming out?
1: Um well there's another there's another cog in the wheel of of pink and that's uh, Phoebe who uh, works for uh, bunch creative and they're a new publishing company on the island and she's the graphic designer and she put the book together and she took Carmen's uh, pictures and vectorized them I think is the right phrase and made them digital so that they could be uh, put together at different sizes and shapes without pixelating. Um, and she has done a tremendous amount of work on this as, as well and needs credit. Um, so it's quite modern, actually. You can buy it online by going to Bunch Creative. Uh, they have a little section called Bunch Books. And I'm pleased to say mine's the first in their, theirs, their series. You can still buy it at the Lexicon um, in town. David has been very supportive of both my books. So I'm very grateful to him. And you can also get it at the Family Library. And I must give a shout-out to Sue Jolly and the the ladies down there and the work they're trying to do to preserve the family library because it's under threat. So please, everybody, support the family library. They're a wonderful, wonderful group of people and a very safe space for for young readers to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's where you can can get hold of them. Um, As for the next book, well, Carmen is already illustrating uh, Rufus, uh, a dragon called Rufus. Um, and then hopefully fingers crossed uh, if I can get all the funds together and sponsorship together it'll be out later this year oh,
0: Wonderful. well that's something we can really look forward to and I understand that the Isle of Man Arts Council have some involvement in this project as well
1: well I must thank the, the people who get behind the projects and the Arts Council have been wonderful with me they, they helped with no entry and they helped with pink and they're very supportive I think of all creative people on the island and if you have a desire to try something creative, please contact the Arts Council. They are so supportive. I had no idea until I got in touch with them just how much they would get behind uh, local people trying local things and trying to get ideas off the ground. So they've been wonderful. Also, because these are quite expensive things to do, I I looked around for other help and uh, Norman James at Hartford Homes came on board on the project, as did Patricia Wilde, Opticians. And they, again, just put their weight behind it. In getting it out there, ShopRite were wonderful. They sold the books um, and uh, raised a lot of the the money as well. So I'm very grateful f- to them. Um, and the ladies from Breast Cancer Now, again, a very supportive charity. And and they've got a desire to prevent breast cancer by the year 2050. And as I think we've discovered through all the pandemic that we've gone through, it's going to be the scientists and the research that finds solutions to some of the problems that we we face and I don't know many people who haven't known someone or had someone in their family who's had breast cancer and it's something that really uh, I I think is very important to try and prevent by 2050.
0: Well I think it's lovely that your bedtime stories that will help people connect with the young people in their lives are helping that cause thank you so much for joining us today it's been lovely to speak to you
1: my pleasure thank you sarah
0: rob is always looking for sponsorship so as much money as possible makes it to these charities so if you're interested in doing that just give him an email on manxman57 at live.com you may also be pleased to know that the stories are being recorded for the manx blind welfare audio library If you need any more information, just drop him a line or get in touch with Spotlight at manxradio.com.
1: Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council.
0: Now in the studio, we're joined by Angela Quaggin, who is on the hunt for someone to tame a keen group of singers hoping to form a choir. Angela, the description you've given me of this role is choir wrangler. Now, exactly what kind of person are we looking for here?
2: Well, it's somebody who ideally has entirely taken leave of their senses and wants to, I'm going to say heard, let's go for herd. heard a number of people who were enthusiastic about singing. Um, so what we're looking for really is uh, somebody who doesn't mind if people can carry a tune or not, but they are interested in singing, so just having a good time. So yes, please have lost your mind and and please be willing to to herd.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. A very clear answer to a strange question. How long has the choir been going for and um and what kind how does it work?
2: Who who goes? What kind of music do you do? Well, at the moment we do not have an operational choir and that's the issue that we have. So just before the first lockdown, um, myself and Joby School, so Will Nelson, the head teacher at Joby School, we had A bit of a a bit of a conversation about wouldn't it wouldn't it be a lovely idea? And we'd had people suggesting it to us, and we're very much at the the community centre about if there's no good reason why you shouldn't give something a whirl, then give it a go. And if it works, brilliant. And if it doesn't, never mind. And we had many people saying, you know, we'd like to participate in a choir, so we said, let's give it a go. Um, we had somebody lined up and we were just ready to do our first sessions uh, and then along came lockdown and then rather unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for her really, but unfortunately for us, her working circumstances changed um, and she was no longer able to take us. So now we're in the position of trying to find somebody who's who's willing and able to give it a whirl, who's brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> and.
0: It sounds like you must have had a lot of interest in this. Are the people who've sort of expressed an interest in taking yes. part?
2: Yeah, we've we've had plenty of people taking an interest in actually participating and that you know, we, we routinely get messages from people and people coming to other groups at the centre saying, you know, are we nearly there yet? Have we got something going yet? And because we were hoping and were still hoping to approach it from the point of view of running one session in the week during school time, so all of the Joby school children can be involved, as well as it being open to the community, and then an evening session as well, so anybody from other schools or who might be busy during the working day, that they have the option of coming. So it is really quite broad as to who we're wanting to, to... but Basically, we're wanting to welcome anybody, anybody and everybody who's interested. So the passion is there from people who want to sing, it's just trying to find somebody who can, who can coordinate them.
0: And you mentioned your colleague Will. Tell us a little bit about your roles within the centre and how you came to be involved with trying to locate
2: this choir angler. So so my job, my role is the a coordinator of Jerby Community Centre um, and I am employed by a charity in order to do that um, and we're also a, a, a company limited by guarantee and Will is one of our trustees. Um, so we work as closely as we can because it makes sense to, to work with people who are already within the community and making the most of the assets that we've got there and one of the assets is that we have an amazing relationship with Joby School, which means that when one of us comes up with a bit of a bonkers plan, which usually one of us will, um, we we can try and make it happen. So another example of that is we run a, a free soft play session on a Tuesday afternoon at Joby School. And again, it's, it's that sort of working relationship that helps make that sort of thing happen. So as well as the other activities at the centre, so you have qigong and tai chi and secret stitch and belly dancing and book clubs and all sorts it's all about finding people with passion for maybe their activity and saying well you know can you find a space for me to make this happen can you help me make this happen so it's not necessarily about us going oh well we think this will be marvelous wouldn't it be lovely if you could do this it's about you know finding people with their passions like Nell and Secret Stitch and saying well you know is is there a space that we can provide is there something we can do to support you to make that happen.
0: That's wonderful, and it's lovely to see it flourishing. And what a fantastic facility you have. How long has it been open now?
2: Uh, Looking back, I think we started about five years ago. Um, So I think we're four years into really finding our feet, um, and again, it's just it's been kind of like a, a very, it sounds really airy fairy, but it's a, a, a very organic process that we've been very, very fortunate that one activity has lent to a, led to another connection that has led to something else happening or meeting somebody else. And and I think by that way, it's been very, very natural and not sort of a, a forced regimen of activities that we think are great things to do. Um, it's just been about taking the time to find people or people to find us and that's I think that's how it's worked so beautifully we've been incredibly incredibly lucky to meet some amazing people along the way
0: yeah I'm sure and it sounds as though you're very open to people getting in touch if they've got a workshop or a a club
2: or a society
0: they'd like to form which which they could base around the community centre
2: Absolutely, always. And again, saying what I said before, that, that if there isn't a good reason as to why we can't make something happen, we will certainly do our best to try and accommodate people. And if we can't, signpost you to somebody who might be able to help. And I think it's really important to to give people the space that, that, that we've found that there are so many people with ideas and, and passions out there. That would like to make them happen with with people interested in getting involved in whatever that activity is, be it paper crafting or rainbows and brownies or tots clubs or whatever um that it's it's just a lovely thing to be able to help sort of just work alongside people to make that happen.
0: And I think we talk so much about how these kinds of facilities, workshops, um, community gatherings have an impact on uh, local residents, on the local community. What kind of effect have you seen the community and its activities and its events have on the
2: people you interact with? So it's, it's difficult sometimes that quite often things are monitored in terms of their success by monetary value. And we can't necessarily put on a spreadsheet what it is that this has brought. But what I can say is that it's absolutely invaluable, Um, that we have found that the connections that have been made at the centres and certainly during lockdown, that people were looking out for each other. So connections that just by giving people the space to meet and form friendships and form those support networks, that we didn't actually have to do anything specifically as a charity to make that happen but people of you know offering lifts and can i pick up this and i can look after your children and do you need any shopping and those kinds of things those kind of friendships it's nothing magical it's just sensible you know building good strong healthy communities where people are connected the search for a
0: choir wrangler is um what brought you here in the first place i imagine because of the nature of the choir you wouldn't have to have vast experience or um, qualifications or anything it sounds like you're just looking for a person who'd be a good fit who's got experience they can share but um, I suppose with positions like this it can almost feel a bit intimidating sometimes if you have to lead something what would you say to someone who thought oh I think I might have the right skill set but I'm just not sure if I'd be exactly
2: what they're looking for how would you reassure someone? I think it would just be a case of just reach out and get in touch that we have found so many times that you absolutely can never know where a conversation is going to lead to and if you can pick up the phone or just pop in and see me at the centre and you just have a bit of a chat then you you know you might be the right fit or it might not actually be the thing for you you might decide you want to run a mile and that's <laughs> and that's completely it's completely fine but then you might decide actually you fancy coming to belly dancing or you might decide that you want to go to tai chi so you there's nothing lost there yeah. but yeah i think it's just a case of you know pick pick up the phone Give it a try and see where it may lead. And and very much so, we're not necessarily looking at paper qualifications or, you know, you must have this or you must have that. It's more about definitely finding the right fit, finding the right person, um, and finding the right energy and the and the willingness to 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 maybe fly by the seat of your pants a little bit and see what comes of it. The opportunity is actually paid, isn't it? it is indeed so we do have funding available to to make it happen and we've taken a bit of a guidance as to as to what that that going rate actually is so we're not looking for a volunteer um we do have an idea in mind of of what we would be paying for that role but again we appreciate it actually you know it is it is quite a responsibility and we we weren't, we weren't anticipating that somebody would come in um, and be unpaid in that position so yes it's uh, there is there is something for it for coming and doing it
0: And if anyone listening now is thinking, oh, this sounds like something I'd like to be involved in, how do they get in touch with you? How do they follow what's
2: happening at the centre and um, and figure out what they might like to attend? So we have a a Facebook page, which is Jerby and Northern Community Initiatives. We also you can email us on jerbycommunity at gmail.com or give us a ring on 818015.
0: Thank you so much to Rob and to Angela for calling in today. We'll be hearing more from Jerby Community Centre very soon, namely the Secret Stitch Society, one of the fabulous creative groups who meet up at the centre. Now, if there's anything you'd like to hear on Spotlight or you think we should be covering, just give me an email, spotlight at manxradio.com. I'm always delighted to hear from you. I'll be back next Wednesday at six o'clock with more creative news from around the island. But until then... Have a lovely, creative and sunny week, hopefully. Slen you!